I'm telling you, it's a much better system. Hmm. The library is smaller, more collectible. So the ratio of good games are better than that of like bad games. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, it's stereoscopic. Nintendo 64 isn't stereoscopic, and thus ends my two-hour lecture on why the Virtual Boy is superior in every way to the Nintendo 64. Well, I can't believe it, but you have convinced me (laughs) this is true. (laughs) Have a free Virtual Boy. Hi, I'm Stargate Pioneer. And I'm Stephen Jondrew, and we're from Better Podcasting, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Check out all the other podcasts at gunnageeknetwork.com. And get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. Hello. You lovely people in internet land, and welcome to episode 64 of Game Life Balance Australia. I'm your host, Robert Bailey, and I'm joined, as always, by Sheepdog Trial World Champion Andrew AC Yoshimura. See, I play the sheep and the dogs. That's how I keep winning. <laughs> it's got a very realistic sheep and dog costume. Well, they're not actually that realistic, <laughs> but this the spectacle of a 37-year-old Australian man going out into the field dressed as a dog and going woof, woof, woof and then quickly just (laughs) stripping in the middle of the field then putting on a sheepskin and going and then like waddling around and then like this goes on for about an hour and a half. Oh, God. I pretend I can't hear the judges. Just you naked except for a sheepskin wrapped around your your loins. Oh, it's not wrapped around there. (laughs) That's just not realistic. Know your sheep and your dogs and... Are all sheeps? I, I don't know anything about animals. Uh, sheeps are... Um, you don't know anything about animals either. They're... They're edible, I know that. What's the word? They're like a, they're like a ovine thing or something? They're yep. not bovine, they're like a different thing. They have hooves, right? I think they have hooves, yes. Yes. They have, clo- they have a cloven hoof. A clo- <laughs> Damn, cloven hoofed animals. There's a word for that as well. Which I think I learned from the far side, but I've forgotten what it is. Hmm. Well, we're ignoramuses. Yep. That's fine, because this is a video game podcast. We don't need to know anything about anything. No. If, if anything, this episode is going to prove we don't know anything about video games either. That's probably true. That's probably true. So it is episode 64. Mm-hmm. And we did say last week that we would do an N64 game. That's right. I regret that deeply. Yeah. So we decided not to do that. No, it's even more unfortunate that we decided to do a system review of the entire Nintendo 64. Ah, that's right. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be talking about the N64, my favouritest console of all the generations in all the world, in all the universe. It's a Nintendo 64 special! What do you know, AC? I was actually right. The genus of the domestic sheep is Ovis. Um, yeah, the uh, scientific name for a sheep is Ovis Aries. Uh, yeah, and the Ovis genus encompasses a whole bunch of different species of sheep. So there you go. And of course, the Virtual Boy actually has some pretty good games on it. It, you know, like 
Wario Land, Virtual Wario Land, a Jack Brothers great game, actually part of the Shin Megami Tensei world, actually. And I mean, like, it's just so. All right, I can't keep it up, can I? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all it's, right, it's fine. Look, I I know you have strong feelings about this console, which is why I'm going into this system review with a, a great deal of trepidation. And it strikes me as I'm rather in an awkward position where I'm going to have to be the one who actually defends this system. <laughs> because I don't, I'm not exactly a massive fan of it either. No, but, I, but, I mean, I play it up a lot. Um, mm. So, I mean, we will talk about our personal opinions and our, our personal relationship with the system and especially the generation that it came out in. Yeah. Uh, which was a fascinating time in my life, which is... Uh, we'll get into it a little bit later on, but basically this is the time of my life where I started ducking out of video games a bit. Mm, mm. And then kind of the middle to the end of this generation, I had just almost completely checked out Mm. um, of consoles, at least. I was still into handhelds a little bit. But uh, the uh, Nintendo 64 was released in June 1996, actually. That's right, yeah. I want to say that it was planned for an earlier release, but it it got delayed for some reason or other. It got delayed several times, at least twice. Yeah. And it was called the Ultra 64 at first. That's right. And there were a couple of arcade games like um, uh, Killer Instinct. Yeah. Which was purportedly running on the Ultra 64 hardware, which turned out to be a complete lie. That's really not true, yeah. And that arcade game looks great. And Killer Instinct Gold looks, frankly, kind of shithouse, actually. Especially get, for a rare game. You could get away with a lot of, like, spurious claims back in the 90s that you kind of can't nowadays. Yeah, yeah. But. I mean, saying something was, like, was running on Ultra 64 technologies, basically saying it had blast processing. Yeah, exactly. The, these numbers didn't mean much to us back as a kid. We just knew that, that 16-bit was twice as big as 18, as 8-bit. Yeah. And the yeah. 32-bit, well, that's twice as big as that. We didn't know what those numbers actually meant. Um, yeah, I mean, we knew that it was twice as powerful. It had something to do with processing. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go into it all, but... The reason it's called Nintendo 64 is because it has a 64-bit CPU, mm-hmm. which is different to, say, the PlayStation, which is a 32-bit CPU. So it was originally called the Ultra 64. It's its code name mm-hmm. uh, before that was Project Reality, and That's I right. heard that spinning around a little bit, especially in the late SNES era. It's a good highfalutin name for your uh, your your experimental, you know, next generation systems. So yeah, it's yeah. it's not not bad. Um, Gets the people hyped up when they hear about Project Reality and their. Uh, well, they they went all in on a particular idea, and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later on. Mm. It's uh, fifth generation hardware, so basically the same as uh, the Sega Saturn and the. Sony PlayStation. Yeah, they were its main competitors. Uh, and I suppose the Atari Jaguar would have been in there as well. If you yeah, that. people forget about the Jaguar. Mm, so <laughs> do I, mostly, actually. Um, <laughs> so it was released in 1996 in June for Japan and September for the uh, North American kiddies. That's right. And it was actually released in 97, March 1st of 1997 for the eu and australia so that's that's us for, if you don't know people which is actually overseas, a bit later yeah. yeah we count as europe apparently well because we're in the pal region so yeah. yeah yeah it's one of those weird quirks where you you know australia is very far from europe and yet but we have similar base of technology that's right um so what's interesting is that I make fun of the uh, Nintendo 64 a bit and I get a lot of flack for it mm. and most of it's in good fun um I've had one or two occasional death threats, which is also in pretty good fun, I find. <laughs> what are you going to do to me? Seriously. Nintendo fans. Yeah. Um, but worldwide, this console 
mm. only sold 32.93 million. So we'll be generous and round that up to 33 million. Sure. Yeah, that's I'll, I'll allow it. not a whole lot. Well, let's let's compare that to like what are the sales figures for the place? Let me just look this up. You mm. keep talking, I'll, I'll compare that with the so sales it, figures. It's not it's not huge. Twenty million in America, only six million in Europe and Australia, and about five million in Japan. Now, Japan is the interesting market here because Japan typically big uh, Nintendo fanboys and girls uh, actually liked the Sega Saturn better right. than this. The Sega Saturn outsold. The uh, Nintendo 64. That's right. It's um, which is interesting because that was kind of their biggest Sega's biggest hit so far in in Japan because the Mega Drive wasn't that popular. So when this came out, when the Sega Saturn came out, it was like the first hit they'd have. It was kind of like the first it, Nintendo 64 wasn't a flop, but it was certainly going below expectations. That's right at yeah. the time. So. I think um, I'm trying. I'm finding it hard to find numbers, unfortunately. Yeah. Here we go. No, I've got it. I've got it here. Yep. Okay. So PlayStation, mm-hmm. 102 uh, million shipped. Wow. So a third. Uh, Nintendo, Nintendo 64. 64. This is worldwide. Yep. Nintendo 64, 33 million. Yep. That's what I said. Sega Saturn, nine million. And I'm imagining that most of those would have been in Japan. <laughs> I know that it did outsell it in Japan. I mm. actually do have a PAL Sega Saturn. And there's a significant dip. The 3DO, 2 million. <laughs> Tara Jaguar, 250,000. Wow. So yeah. I have a 3DO. Mm-hmm. I do not have a Jaguar because I just don't want one. And the FM Towns Marty. <laughs> that is a great console. Fantastic arcade quality console. 45,000. Yeah. It's Japan only, but it is a good console. There are. It's, there's actually a few. It's Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're getting into, this, into the sticks here. Yeah. But- okay. We're, we're trying to avoid talking about the Nintendo 64 is what we're actually <laughs> doing. <laughs> Look, the thing about the Nintendo 64, you have to understand, is that at its time, hmm. it was considered to be the premium system. You know, out of all of the systems that were available, yeah. the, the shtick was, like the, the buzz or like the hype was that this is the most powerful, this is the coolest, the greatest, awesome games, yay. You know, it was, it was, it was positioning itself to be like the, the, the PlayStation killer. Yeah. Right? Did that actually work out? Well, that's the question. Well, we can we tell by the sales figures, it didn't. <laughs> you know? So there are a couple of factors here. Number one, yeah. Sony PlayStation got a leg up in the market because they released way before. Yeah. I want to say in, in, in our region, probably about two years earlier, yeah. I want to say. Um, a year and a half, yeah. Yeah, there's a significant amount of time for people to jump on the PlayStation bandwagon. It was cheaper to develop and um, produce games because the Sony PlayStation was CD-based and Nintendo decided to stick with cartridges, which meant meant no FMV, mm-hmm. um, which is a, kind of a good thing. Yeah, it's not necessarily <laughs> a problem. <laughs> third parties didn't really want to pay the premium of, of developing on this system, That's and right. some developers found it a bit hard. Yeah. But the other problem with this system, other than the controller, we'll get to the controller, mm. is that... Um, Nintendo went all in on polygons. Yeah. So the game which sold the most is obviously Super Mario 64, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. a groundbreaking game, no matter what my personal feelings towards it are. Yeah. The best, one of the best early 3D platformers. Yeah. Other than Bubsy 3D. That's a joke. <laughs> Don't kill me. Um, but the thing is that it was kind of, uh, it set the standard for the system that no other game ever lived up to. Mm. But, Everyone tried to have that sort of polygonal game, yeah, and it couldn't 
produce 2D animation very well. Yeah. The PlayStation and the Sega Saturn especially could still do that. And so they had kind of a wider variety of games because they had more third parties. Mm. Fighting games were excellent on the Sega Saturn. 2D as limited number as they came out on the Sony PlayStation were awesome on that system. Whereas... Most of the platformers that weren't 3D were kind of 2.5D on the N64. Mm. And they went in real hard on that to say, this is it. This is the future. Forget all that 2D stuff. This is all about polygons and it's all about how nice everything looks. Yeah, that's right. It's it's a funny move for Nintendo, who we often think of today um, as being the um, uh, the console developer that, that, that doesn't care about power. Yeah. Right. Whereas the N64, they very much were sold on the idea of let's let's beat the compet- the com- competition yeah. by having bigger numbers, like more RAM, better CPU, yada yada. yada. They thought that 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 and and sort of yeah, throwing their weight behind the the three D movement, the, yeah. the movement away from two D towards polygonal games. And let's yeah. let's be honest, that was the future. Mm, and the true. Nintendo 64 was an important stepping stone, but it just wasn't quite there. It was still pretty early days. Yeah. Like, as good as some of those games hold up, mm. apparently. Mm. <laughs> I think it's you made some really good points there. And I think if we're, if we're going to like answer the question of why didn't the N64 outsell the PlayStation, I think mm. you've really kind of nailed at some of those points. Like, the cartridges... Are, um, there's just not a lot of storage space on a cartridge compared to a CD. Ten times... 10 times the storage space on a CD compared yeah. to a cartridge. There were tricks that the developers used to get around that, like using a lot of like onboard memory and stuff like that on the con- console itself. Mm. And a lot of the the more sort of graphically intense games require that memory pack thing, you know, and and stuff like that. So so there were there were tricks that developers tried to get around, but at the end of the day, you're still faced with a much smaller um, I mean, know. the good news is that there's no loading times. Yes, I mean, there's benefits, right? Lo- no yeah. loading times is definitely a plus. Um, the, I guess there's <laughs> some dubious quality. You know, there's the sort of quality assurance from Nintendo's perspective because they kind of had the reins on the manufacturing of the cartridges. Yeah, and it costs a lot. And here's the thing. <clears throat> Nintendo burnt a lot of bridges in the 8 and 16-bit eras because of their proprietary system lockout and the amount that they would charge for licensing on their system. Yeah, they knew that they were the dominant player and they milked it. They milked it as much as they could. Yeah. And uh, a lot of play people, like uh, a lot of companies like Square, yep. just went, no, like... It's cheaper to produce over here. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, more free range. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. You know, they're not going to restrict us in terms of violence or swearing or adult themes. Hmm. And so Square for a long time left Nintendo and just went, no, we're not We're not going to play in your court anymore because we're sig- going to take our ball and go. Really significant loss for Nintendo. Yeah. When Final Fantasy VII came out for the PlayStation Um it really was a... It's um, kind of a system killer. <laughs> it's, 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 I think it must have been a bit of a wake-up call for Nintendo. For some people, they, especially when they saw how well Final Fantasy VII sold. Yeah. Um, I think in retrospect, the cartridge, the choice to go with cartridges in the long run will be looked back on as a bit of a misstep. But it is a defining thing about the system. Like, I think it would be weird. It's straight. It's hard to think of what Nintendo 64 would be without... Without the cartridge, I think they just they dug their heels in and say, no, no, no this is what yep. we're going to do. But on the plus side, I mean, it had the graphics, right? Yeah, yeah, the and graphics are are superior. It is it. All the if, polygonal graphics are, yeah. Yeah, like if a, if a developer used the system well, the game would come out looking better than a PlayStation game, like noticeably better. So, um, and here is the other thing. So, 
let's just talk about the controller, then we'll talk about the games we played today. Sure. Pretty briefly. Yep. The controller is seen as both cumbersome mm-hmm. and revolutionary. Uh, sometimes both. Mm. Some some people will just dismiss it out of hand. Um, the fact that it had an analog stick yeah. as well as a D-pad, pretty That's, revolutionary. Yeah, definitely. The fact that they made it three prongs. Very strange choice. Was one of the stupidest things I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it... It it definitely made it stand out from the crowd. And what's interesting about the controller, and there's a lot of um, uh, misunderstanding around this, it's, some people say that the controller was built for Super Mario 64. Hmm. That's not really true. What happened was the con- Mario 64 was being developed at the same time that the controller was being developed, and Miyamoto was playing Mario 64 with prototype N64 controllers hmm. and was giving them like feedback on, like, okay... This works well. This this doesn't work well, and he really wanted Mario to control with analog movement. That was sort of his, you know, like die in the ditch kind of thing. He wanted if you press the stick lightly, Mario walks. If you yeah. push it down, he runs. And so, like the analog stick for a large part was was designed around Mario sixty four. But that being said, it, it's not true to say that the con- the controller was entirely like Miyamoto getting everything he wanted. No, it, it's not. It's not. You can't go that far with it. But what is true is that. There's a, there's they were a, developed side by side. Yeah, they're kind know. of like genetically kind of related <laughs> in kind a way. Of, yeah, kind of siblings. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I never really liked the controller. There are some people who are going to swear by it. Um, mm. I do like the Z button on the back. Yeah. But I use the Hori controller, which is basically has the... Um, looks a bit more like a, a GameCube controller. Yeah, I mistook it for a GameCube controller earlier. Um, and it's just got the... Um, it's got a better analog stick because those analog sticks used to wear out because of Mario Party. That's right. And you yes. needed to like get a glove from Nintendo if it if you like tore skin off your hand or ruined your stick or whatever. Yeah, there is a uh, yeah, there is this. There's a one or two, at least one mini game in Mario Party for the 64. Yeah, that required you to rotate the analog really stick. quickly. Yeah, and people would just ruin their uh, their analog sticks that and way. their hands. <laughs> and uh, there's also this other weird thing where um, the the system actually like calibrates the analog stick when you turn it on. So if you've got a loose analog stick, it's going to calibrate it as, and think that that's zero position. Yeah, so when it's, it's actually like hanging off by a thread. <laughs> um, so, you, you know, a lot of problems there. I think you can recalibrate it doing different tricks and things. But, you know, it, yeah, a big problem was the fact that, that <laughs> it was really Mario Party's fault, really, not not the controller's fault. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, look... We can blame Mario Party for a lot of things. It, it, it is a big controller. Um, the rumble pack mm. is also massive. It takes two double A's, slots into the back, and kind of hangs off. Like, the controller's kind of melting. It has yeah. an extra memory pack for saves. It feels like it's going to fall out. And I want to say that mine did fall out from time to time. <laughs> you know, during a particularly violent episode of GoldenEye or yeah. something like that. The thing just rumbles itself out of the, out of the controller. But when... Uh, I think what kind of blew this controller out of the water mm. is when the DualShock came out for the PlayStation 1, which yeah, was right. primarily used for... Um, well, the dual analog. Well, that's if shock or not. That's right. Yeah. For, uh, for Metal Gear Solid 1. Yep. And it's also really good because finally, people at home on home consoles have a dual stick set up. They can play like dual stick shooters and yeah. stuff like that. Because, um, yeah. Nintendo were like halfway there. I know. It's, it's, I sort of feel sorry for Nintendo in a way because... Nintendo put it out there. They did kind of like that. That they took the risk, if you like. Yeah. And then Sony just was like, "Okay, we can do this better." Yeah, you can. And just literally by putting two sticks mm. in the existing controller, just a little bit in and, and smaller. And that's what every other controller since has copied. So, yeah. so props to Sony for getting it right. Mm. But props to Nintendo, I guess, for like 
I don't know, trying something different. And Nintendo, like, you, know? you become more and more famous for that as they, as they go on and on. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about some of the games that we played today. Yeah, we played how many? We played we played eleven, uh, 11 games. This is and so we're mainly basing our system review off the experience we've had of these eleven games, <laughs> plus our memories of how the game yeah. how we've played it in the past. Right. Uh, so the first one we played today was uh, F Zero X. Yeah. Quick thoughts on that one, Robbie? Yeah, man. Look, it, it's it's like Wipeout. You know, um, F-Zero, the first one was obviously a top-down thing. This is 3D, fully 3D. No, no, no. The other one was not top-down. Well, it was... Oh, that's right. It was a It was a bloody... It was a... It was Mode sorry. 7 bit. It was map. Mode 7... T- yeah, it was, a, yep. it was horrendous Mode 7 2D nonsense. It's 2D. You can't say that... You can't say that Mode 7 is not 2D. It's just a trick. It is a trick, yeah. <laughs> um, this is... This is polygonal... Third person. And it runs at 60 uh, FPS. It yeah. runs very well. It's, it, I think it's 60 it FPS. It plays great. I actually had a good time with it. I think compared to Wipeout, it's a bit simplistic, a bit mm. sort of plain looking. But that said, it, it played very well and I enjoyed it a heck of a lot more than I did the original F-Zero. So that one, I feel like, holds up um, pretty well, actually. Um, yeah, I bit, think A bit so. dull, probably, would be my only complaint. It um, is, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's Wipeout. You know, yeah. this is maybe a little bit better than Wipeout. Um, it's sense a lot of speed is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty fun, but it's also a one-trick pony. You know, it's like you you play the races, you get good at it, you verse your friends, yeah. you have a bit of fun. But that's pretty much any racing game. I right? can see you getting quick, sick of it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, next we played... Uh, I do believe we played Smash Brothers. That's right. Now, I'm going to confess at this point, I have not played much Smash Brothers at all, ever, really. <laughs> um, let alone... Well, any of its sequels but I certainly haven't spent any time with this game so I did very poorly and I don't think I really ever fully grasped what I was supposed to do like I get I get the idea of Smash Brothers yeah in that it's about ring outs and stuff like that yeah but that I being mean, said like it's a it's a it's a platform fighter you know yeah. it's not just a flat plane you can jump up you jump down there's a double jump there are weapons that you can get um, each character has a different move set I think the, the the genus around the idea of Nintendo fa- characters fighting each other, who would win, you know, Mario versus Link or Samus versus Pikachu. There's a novelty value to it. Yeah, there definitely is. Um, I think it was developed enough that it got very popular in its uh, GameCube incarnation. This is a yeah. little... I don't want to say too bare-boned. There's definitely a lot there. Mm. But I, I don't know. I felt it sluggish. Yeah, it controlled weird. Um, the buttons don't make sense. Yeah, me. I think, yeah, I wonder whether that's the N64 controller or, or what, but yeah, I, I never really fully grasped what I was doing wrong. Mm. Um, I, I kind of, after we played a couple of round, a couple of matches, it's not a lot, not enough to really say we've mastered it or anything, but mm. it just feels like a little clunky, like maybe the sequels are where, where you need to go. Like this was kind of like a, a good first attempt, but then they kind of perfected the formula later. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, Mario Tennis 64, okay. uh, Warrior, uh, Waluigi's first appearance. Yeah. Um, look, it's a tennis game. Mm-hmm. It's got some uh, some trick things in there, like, uh, you know, bashing shots and star powers and, yeah. you know, a couple of tricky things that you can do here and there, but at its base, it's tennis. What do you think of this one? Look, man, it actually holds up pretty well. I think... Um I think this is a 2000 job, actually. I think in, in Australia, it came out in the year 2000. So it's yeah. kind of late in the life cycle a little bit, I want to say. I remember people thinking this game, thinking very highly mm. of this game at the time. And um, picking it up and playing it today, it plays pretty well. It took me a little while to kind of get 
hang of it. I think I expected it to be a little more f- like precise than it actually is. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a little mashy actually, and you have to kind of get into the mashy vibe to to play it properly. Yeah. Once I started hammering on the A button instead of just trying to pr- do precise hits, I um I got the hang of it pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, I think it still holds up pretty well. I'm uh, I'm pretty pleased with it. I it's wonder a tennis whether, game. I wonder whether it needed a bit more Mario and a bit less tennis potentially, like a bit more of that kind of wacky. I, I suppose bullshit. if you get into it a little bit more, there's probably a bit more of that. We just played. I have played a little bit of it. I've never really been a big fan of the Mario tennis games. They never really appealed to me. Sure. Um, next we have. The Adventures of Kirby 64, which I think is called Crystal Shards. I'm using the uh, Japanese copy. Yeah. Uh, and this is a 2.5D platformer. In other words, it's 2D. It just looks polygonal with 3D. And it, the backgrounds are very nice. Mm. The music is very nice in this game. Mm. Uh, and it, uh, what did you think of it? Yeah, look, it's it's 2.5D Kirby. It's it's actually, when you, when you actually sit down and play it, it's not that different from previous Kirby's, really. The fact that it's 3D is kind of neither here nor there because mm. you are on like a, uh, you know, uh, you're going from left to right. It's it's a there's no like you know mm. there's bosses. It's it's a very calm, very slow game. Yeah, slow and kind of easy. No, I don't want to say plodding, but it's a, certainly a, a Kirby game. Yeah, Kirby's not look. He's not built for speed. He's no Sonic the Hedgehog. No. Uh, look, I thought it was fine. Um, it's a fun game. Yeah. It's like probably one of my one of the better games that I played yeah. on the system. One of the better looking games are the ones we played tonight mm. as well. It seems kind of clean and crisp. So yeah. And next we played uh, Yoshi's Story. Yeah. So it's got all the Yoshis, um, all named Yoshi, which is a bit weird. And No Baby Mario, which is a step up. It's got the same kind of art style as. Um, mm. As the SNES. It looks more sort of yarn-inspired. Yeah, yeah, it does a bit. Yeah. There's some yarn levels. Um, like the trees look like they're made of wool and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. It's a pretty game. Yes. It's a bit slow. This is probably one of the few ones. This this is actually a... You're going to correct me here. Hmm. This is not polygonal, right? This is this is a 2D game, right? I mean, we played this like 20 minutes ago. It, it looks 2D. It's basically a 2D game. Uh, yeah, basically. Um... It seems fine. I think it's better than it's better than Yoshi's Island. Oh, do you hear that? I yeah. just I just threw down a gauntlet. I see. It's better. I'm not going to argue I, with you on this one, Robbie. I had not played Yoshi's Island. <laughs> I can't actually say that. I take <laughs> it back. But we'll say that it's better than it for one reason. There's no crying baby Mario yeah. in this game. So if this, that irritated you a lot, well, this game doesn't have that in it. So this is a bit bare bones. Like going mm. through some of the levels. Like it, it's pleasant. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, um, Yoshi's a little bit slow. The aiming mechanic still feels a bit off for me. Yeah, it's awkward. Like, you kind of have to stop what you're doing and aim. Yeah. You know? Which is kind of like what the original one was. But there's not a whole lot of enemies. You just kind of... It looks nice and you plot along and it was a bit bare bones. It gets a bit jazzier towards the end, certainly. But okay. I don't know. It's just... It doesn't... Didn't hold my attention. Yeah. Uh, next is Neon Genesis Evangelion or Shinseki Evangelion uh, for the Japanese... N64 Mm -hmm. by Bandai. This is an interesting one. Yep. Uh, Rob can't talk too much about it because he's not a massive um, Neon Genesis fan. I am not. Um, This is actually one of the better games of this generation, believe it or not. Mm. I've played a lot of terrible games. Bad Neon Genesis games. Yeah, and a lot of them are on the Sega Saturn. This one more or less follows the plot of the TV show and even the movie, End of Evangelion. Uh, basically just the fights. So you you kill some angels, you blast some things. There's some nice music, although it's not CD quality. There's some good graphics. 
But once again, the Avers <clears throat> are big and slow and plodding. They kind of went for big, massive polygonal sprites, which look good. Mm. Uh, but basically control like a robot through treacle. Yeah, it, it seemed like there was some sort of finesse to the controls that we weren't <clears throat> quite grasping. Yeah. But yeah, it even I think even if you were playing it perfectly, it would still feel very plodding. I think so. And, yeah. you know, they're massive giant robots and you think, oh, well, they're, they're kind of like that. But the mm. Avers in the show are actually incredibly maneuverable and yeah, very quick. And kind that's of, kind of the point of them. Like that's what was kind of cool about the show was that they were giant, but also weirdly agile. Yeah. So yeah. look, that's... Not a bad game. I'm going to say, if you're a Neon Genesis fan, maybe pick this one up if you see it and you have a uh, Japanese Nintendo mm-hmm. 64. If you're that kind of crazy. Yep. Um, I have the Super Mario 64 Vibration version. Ooh. Uses the Vibration pack. Did the other, the other ones not? Uh, I don't think the original one in Japan did, although I could be wrong. Okay. I think this is a 1997 job, whereas the original one was 96. Sure. Uh, I'm not sure about the Western one. Probably does, but I don't care. Mm. <laughs> uh, look, it's Mario 64. We all have our opinions on this. Mine is that it's not... It was a great th- step forward mm. for the time. Mm. I think that it did a lot of things for the 3D genre, mm. the 3D platforming genre. Yeah. Um, that's less of a thing these days than we thought it would be back then. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't hold up that well. The camera is squirrely. The moving, the movements are even more squirrely. Um, and the controls, I find, better than most 3D platformers on the N64, but still kind of baffling sometimes. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think, think you're right. You know, this finessed it. This made a lot of great moves, some mistakes. Mm. But going back to it now, it's just it was so hard for me. Yeah. Look, this is probably getting a bit of a meta point to make, but mm. I feel like it's probably a valid way of reviewing these games to think about whether they hold up now. Mm. You know, like whether whether they were fun back then is sort of neither here nor there. It's the question is like, is it still good now? Because that that. Would it's it's legitimate way to say well, it did it stand the test of time? Like 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 Shakespeare plays still good now, right? Yeah. yeah. Mario sixty four maybe not still good now. I think <laughs> there are my, my, um, older Mario games hold up better than this because this was kind of the first of its kind, yeah. and you know it was refined, very refined to a certain extent. But mm. the genre just didn't go the places that Nintendo thought it was going to go to. Exactly right. You know, I feel like the the whole platformer genre is a symptom of two D gaming. Mm. You know, and and like put it this way, whenever there was like some like friggin' movie franchise, right? They would license it out to some poor developer who would have to make a game for it, and they'd give them a very small budget, and of course that developer would just spit out another crappy platformer, right? Mm. Because platformers is what two D gaming was in a lot of ways. Yeah. When three D came along, people were just like, Right, let's make a three D platformer because that's games. As they made more and more of them, they realized Maybe platformers in 3D really isn't where it's at. Maybe 3D requires a different kind of game. And, and there and are to, a lot know, of 3D games with platforming in them, but it's not the sole purpose of those games. Look, look at a game like Uncharted or like the modern like Tomb Raiders mm. or God of War. That, that's where the 3D platformer genre ended up, yeah. was with something that's not really platform-focused. Mm. Mario 64 is trying to... It's making you do platforming. yeah. Like all that, all that nonsense. Like here's a moving platform. Here's another moving platform. Here's mm. another moving platform that's going up and down, and you're trying to jump across them, and you keep falling off the edge because you can't judge your friggin' like your, no, your no. X, your sort of and like Z and what is it like the Z and Y axis. Z axis. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like 
I, I fell off platforms constantly in the in the like ten minutes that I spent with it uh, earlier today. And, and I feel I, like I get that you get good with that after all. But anyway, yeah. we should probably stop talking about Nintendo, the Super Mario sixty four, <laughs> and we'll <laughs> move right. on to Killer Instinct Gold, which we touched upon before. Mm-hmm. This is I have this on the PAL. I actually have two Nintendo sixty fours, one NTSC, one PAL. Sure. Uh, this is not the arcade game. No. The arcade game is fast. It is crisp. It mm. is clear. This is messy. Yeah. It looks kind of like they're 2D sprites. Yes. Kind of like pre-rendered. Yes, I think they are actually. I think it is. I think it is like a Mortal Kombat kind of thing. Like, but they, it's so blurry. And yeah. A lot of the characters blur into the background. The backgrounds look cool, but the characters don't. So yeah. It kind of doesn't blend well. The characters are quite slow. Yeah, I think some of the graphical issues with the original Killer Instinct we kind of glossed over because it was on the Super Nintendo yeah. and we were just so thrilled with the game. Having pre-rendered sprites, yeah. But then what they did with this, it kind of just looks like the It looks same like they've thing. upscaled yeah. that version for this. Because the sprites don't look much better. They still have a kind of like like washy kind of like like someone blurred blurry yeah. yeah yeah it's like someone got the pixels and said these still look like pixels let's blur them because there is in photoshop the uh n64 had a few like post processing effects you could put over games mm. um i just i don't know i, I expected more from rare for yeah, this i think yeah and we just didn't get it for this game it I, wasn't the arcade and, and i think that the uh, SNES version controlled a little bit better and faster. I feel like it's a shame because Killer Instinct was a game that had some potential. Yeah, it did. But they whiffed it in the sequels. Everything came after that first game just didn't really do it. And they're only getting back to it now. Like, apparently, mm. um, Killer Instinct on Xbox One is awesome. Mm. Anyway, uh, we'll go along to one of your favorites, GoldenEye. That's right. Seven. Yeah, I owned this game as a kid. I actually had an N64 for many years. Um, in my early teens, I want to say. Uh, and I played the ever-loving crap out of GoldenEye. Mm-hmm. I think because I I had like PC envy. Um, I always had. That's why I think that's why I'm a PC gamer is because I was just always jealous of my friends that had PCs. So I wanted to play FPSs, right? And this was the closest thing you could get on a console to a decent FPS. Yeah, I played it a little while ago. You know, before we started recording, and I expected it to not hold up at all. I expected it to be like horrible. It wasn't. As bad as I thought it would be. Yeah. But that being said, it's pretty bloody dated. It's hard to go back. You the know. faces are kind of hilarious. Oh, man, it's funny because they are like a photograph on this like blocky head. <laughs> you know, It's kind of funny because it's like back then you go, oh, my God, it, this looks so good. It's not going to get any better on this, not even mm. on PC. Yeah. And you look back now and it's just like, it looks like a yellow, like kind of yellowy, pinky thing with a smiley face on it. And the frame rate's <laughs> bloody awful. It's yeah, only it's just great. making 30. Mm. The one thing I will say in its in its favor is that the animations for the enemies are actually really good like when you shoot them down like if you shoot a guy in the gut he'll like double over in pain and like crawl around for a while before dying mm. or like you shoot him in the leg like it has like a locational damage for the enemies mm. which at the time was really impressive i really like the fact if you shoot a wall or a, pe- a wall or a piece of glass the a bullet hole appears it stays there as yeah. well like it doesn't fade yeah i really like that effect i did play the four player and the two player like, oh, you know, don't screen? look at my screen, don't look at my screen. Yeah, split screen multiplayer it in was, GoldenEye was, was like a good, good time back in the day. Yeah. I don't know whether you, that would still be fun. You can't take it too seriously because yeah. of the way it works. But it's, it's, still, it's still a fun time. I definitely think that's in the category of was good once, maybe not good now. Last game we played. Oh, boy. Uh, I took a random selection. This is not so random. It's just the fact that I just wanted to play it because it's the worst. One of the worst games. I've played a lot of bad games mm-hmm. uh, on Bit Seizure. Just on my own free time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have Superman 64. Yes. And 
even worse than the American version, this runs at 50 frames a second, or rather looks more like 15 frames a second, because it's right. the PAL version, yes, so, so it's, it's even slower. If you, if you wondered how could they make this game worse, well, they put it in the PAL region. <laughs> uh, this is... Everything you've heard about this game is true. You fly through rings, you pick up a bunch of cars, and you fly through rings, and there's some more cars and a building and rings, and you're in a virtual world, and Lex Luthor is cackling, and Lex wins a lot. And he does win a lot. Yeah. Rob was surprisingly good at this game. I played a lot of Pilot Wings 64 back in the day, and <laughs> so the flying through rings mechanic was kind of like, you know, I can, I can handle this. Mm. But it's so stupidly punishing. I feel like... Okay, like, many, many problems with this game. Like, for example, the gameplay is just boring and, and repetitive. Yep. Um, they start you off with, all right, first thing you got to do is fly through a bunch of rings, which is not good. You know, not a good way to start the game. But then they make it so easy to screw it up. They don't give you enough buffer. No. You know, you, you miss a couple of rings and then you're done. Yeah, you three rings. Three, I think it's three or four, maybe. It's three. Yeah. yeah. So not a lot of room for error there. Um, and then... <laughs> And after you float through a bunch of rings, because I was like, I want to see what comes next. I don't want to just leave it at this ring flying thing. I want to at least see what comes after this. Yeah. So I persisted for a while, got past it, and then it goes suddenly, okay, there's this car's about to crash. you got six seconds to get rid of them. Literally, the six-second timer appears on the screen, which just induces such intense panic. Yeah. So you just freak out, and, like, you know, there were cars. I was just mashing the buttons trying to, like, throw these cars. It's... It's a terrible game. It's yeah, one of those man. ones that people make, you know, if you say E.T. is a bad game, it's not a great game, but it's not the worst game. Um, it, it was a, it was a not a great game at the at the worst time. There were a lot of bad 2600 games. Yeah, so. but this game is an actual bad game. It stands out. It really stands out because it's yeah. on the Nintendo 64. Um, it soups. So you'd think he'd get a point or two for that. It's the, um, the Bruce Timm version of Superman mm. from the animated series, and it just fails so miserably. It's even worse than Shaq Fu, I want to say. Yeah. it's Like, like I said, it, it stands out at yeah. how bad it is. It's, it's one of those games where you just wonder what happened. Yeah. It's know? kind of Bubsy 64 <laughs> level bad. Sorry, Bubsy 3D level bad. There's no Bubsy 64. There damn well ought to be, though. <laughs> What we should do is just put Bubsy in Mario 64 instead of Mario and then just sell that. Gold. <laughs> All right, so final thoughts. We've been, to- we've been rabbiting on about the N64 for too long. Um, mm-hmm. Robbie, do you think it holds up? <sighs> Look, I'm going to go out there and say that I think none of the consoles in the fifth generation hold up particularly well. Mm. None of them. It's hard to go back. The Saturn, weirdly, holds, is up, pro- yeah. holds up more than the others. If you play 2D Saturn games, of which there are many, right? Yep. Um, and it's always the 2D ones. It's Out of all the games for the PlayStation, Saturn, and 64, there were very few of them. Mm. It's the 2D ones that hold up well, and the 3D ones that kind of just look like dog shit, and you just wish you weren't. You wish you were playing something else. I feel like it was the sixth generation where the 3D games really kind of found their feet. Yeah. So because the 64 was focused on polygons, was focused on 3D... And given what I've just said, that yeah. 3D games don't hold up, this is probably the system that holds up the least well out because of those they three. Put everything in one basket. Yeah, you know? they, they went all in on this at the time. I'm not going to say it didn't work for them; like it worked mm. for them. Yeah, but you know, and it, it did a lot of important things, and it moved gaming forward as Nintendo for always sure. have a tendency to do. But it just didn't end up in the place they thought it was going to end up. Yeah. So like this, like this ten. There's probably like. I had probably kind of 10 or even a, a, like a dozen games on the N64 that were just mm. amazingly good. 
and 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 outshone the competition. Mm. But that's not enough, and it's hard to go back. So yeah. I'm going to say it doesn't hold up. And out of all those three systems, Saturn, PlayStation, N64, N64, I would recommend the least. Yeah. It hurts me to say it. All right, uh, AC, how do you feel about the N64? Pretty much the same. Like, everyone already knows my opinions out there. I've tried to be fair. Um, and, of course, my your opinion and emotions are always going to get in the way. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that when this generation came out, I was the least involved in it mm. because I, I never owned a, an N64 until I was over, until so much you, later. So you came to it in that perspective of, like, these are all old. Well, my friends had them and I played them and had a bit of fun playing them at the time. And I, I remember getting quite frustrated with Mario 64 at the time. And I played it up a lot. And I say, rah, 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 it's, a bad game. it's not a bad game. It's a fine game, hmm. especially for the time. It's just that um, the perspective in the camera always bugged me a hmm. lot more than it probably should. But um, it was just at a time in my life when I was being a lot more social out of my house yeah and you know like my home situation wasn't great and i didn't even want to spend a lot of time playing games there like usually you'd lock yourself in the room but i didn't have a television in my room mm. basically it meant i had to be out with my family out in the, the lounge room and that's just awkward silences mm. all mm. the time so it's i just like you know what i just kind of want to get out and be more social with my friends i was at a lot of friends houses a lot of the time and some of those guys had n64s which we played but it was also the kind of time, you know, 97, 98, where mm-hmm. a man of my age... Yes, that's right. The started, hormones start yes, to exactly. circulate. exactly. And I started getting out a bit more and, you know, actually even dated a bit then. Look, and I, I just I recall lost you interest. Being, you were much more social than I was around that time. Mm. Sort of the 16 through to like 21 type of era. Mm. I think you were, yeah, you, you were not the stay in nerd type you're more like the getting out there nerd type you know? yeah, was. Um, i was still a nerd don't let don't let it fool you but um, i think that makes sense and also completely explains why your your view of the n64 would be a bit more negative because you're coming to it sort of after the fact yeah there's no rose tinted nostalgia glasses yeah and uh, then everything i've said about the fact that the n64 doesn't hold up as well as the others mm. you know kind of plays into what you're saying so now there are a lot of people out there who will swear by the n64 and i'm not gonna like I'm not, i don't blame you because there are a lot of things that i, I like like the virtual boy is not great and i don't actually like it that much i'm playing it up for mm. laughs for, for yucks but you know there are consoles out there which you know, nobody remembers yeah. that I just have a fondness for. Sure. Like the Sega Master System. Yes. that I We are both Sega Master System tragics. And they're not great systems. No. It's like, it's the thing is that I think we have to be objective. Like, we know the Master System wasn't that good. Mm. But Nintendo <laughs> fanboys, especially around this, uh, this time, mm. have a nostalgia for it. And they probably appreciate these games on a level we can never Look, appreciate. if that them. was your first console, like, mm. right? If you're, if you're like, uh, like, say, my, my ex's generation... Where the N64 and the PlayStation, the, the fifth generation was there. That was their childhood. Yeah. And like a lot of people will grow up thinking, oh, Banjo Kazooie and Mario 64. That shit will just appeal to them and be part of their like hearts, you know? I and so I can get why they might get upset with someone saying that it's not a great system. Very defensive. Um, but that's the thing, like. You have to kind of have perspective. You have to be able to step away from your nostalgia for yeah. you know? And we have trouble doing that on this show yeah. sometimes, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is that if you look at that generation of 3D platformers, they were collectathons. And if you were a young kid staying at home mm. and you just had this one game, you're going to damn well do that collectathon, collectathon, get really good at the controls, know where everything is, and just become a bit of a master at it. And of yeah. course, you're going to appreciate it on a level that we never can. That's why people like 
will say things like, oh, I love Spyro. And we're like, well, like, what? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and the same thing with the Mario hell? 64. Yeah. People will be like, I love that game. And, I, and I'll be like, it's okay. Yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. serviceable. But it's, it's perspective, you know. It yeah. really is. So, so that's um, our system review. Yeah, I don't want to say that we hate it. We definitely don't. I have, I have a respect for it. I, I do respect, respect it. I respect it, but I have to be honest with you. I can't recommend it. All right, Rob, I know you've been having a big full time recently. You've got lots of stuff going on in your life. What's been happening? Nothing. What about you, AC? What have you been up to? Oh, God, really? Look, I have been playing games, but it's basically <gasps> oh, been no. PUBG, and I don't want to talk about PUBG again for the third week in a row. Um, did, you, have- did you get any chicken dinners? No. I'm not interested then. I have been playing some other games, but mm-hmm. I've only started, like, just started dabbling. I'd rather save them for next episode. So okay, next episode. So next is episode, a I'll have some nonsense. So, yes, yeah. I'll have a couple of games to talk about in the stream of nonsense. Okay, um, but until then, I don't really have much to say. <laughs> so wow, Rob, Rob is a man yeah. of no life. I have a life, no it's, substance. It's just there's not. It's the same as it always. Like I've got a gorgeous little daughter who's very cute and gives me a reason to sort of keep putting one foot in front of the other. Mm. I've got a job that's you know tolerably good that pays for my lifestyle. I'm still dabbling with my astrology. I'm shooting people in the face in PUBG or more often than not getting shot in the face myself. Um, that's my past two weeks. Really. Okay. But, okay. So, there is an eclipse coming up, right? That's right. That's right. Yes. There is a, a, a full, a total lunar eclipse okay. on Saturday morning. So, obviously, this is for people in Australia. That's right. It's not going to happen anywhere else. Well, it doesn't work like that. I can <laughs> I can do the time conversion, but I couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's about 4.30 in the morning uh, on Saturday for us. Um, yeah, I'll be getting up early to, to watch the uh, the blood moon. It's going to go red. I see. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what happens in a total lunar eclipse. Is it goes it goes pitch black and then turns red. Cool. It's sort of, it's sort of tr- well, actually, it kind of as the shadow of the Earth passes over the moon, it go it, it looks black and then it kind of just turns burgundy. Yeah. yeah. So I did see one of these uh, lunar eclipses in um, in Japan. Mm. Uh, I think last time or the time before me was about Christmas time I was back I, I remember there was a lot of snow around right because yeah. I've been to Japan so many times this year I just can't remember which one was which <laughs> it's hard to differentiate it yeah. is a bit I don't even want to to kind of differentiate at this stage to be honest um, but I, I do remember it was quite beautiful it was very red it was very cold outside because of the snow but I sat out there and I watched a lot and yeah did the stupid thing of, I'm going to try and take a photo with my camera. Of course, all you're going to see is a red dot. Yeah, I, Idiot. you need special equipment to do yeah, good. Yeah. As I found many, as I found pretty early on in my in my stargazing um, attempts, um, yeah, phone camera is not very good for taking photos of like Venus, for example. So we're actually recording this on a Thursday night, so it's a school night. That's right. We put it we put it forward a little bit because uh, AC has got some. Uh, I'm doing stuff. He's got, got a life more than I do, <laughs> uh, so we have to put it forward a bit. Um, but yeah, that's worked out well for me because I'm going to get up early on Saturday morning. Yeah, and, it's and probably not. You would have gone home and have to keep drinking or yeah, something to keep yourself up. It would have been quite bad. And then I'm, I'm going to Sydney that day, so it's uh, it's worked out rather well actually. Yeah. Although you you're know, probably still going to fall asleep in the car on the way. I don't. Yeah, I, I think it, maybe the listeners can tell that we're both a little bit tired. But I feel like we're always a little bit tired, AC. So the game life balance, Australia. But yeah, I will be checking out that eclipse, especially because it's. Like to dish a little astrology on you, it's happening. The degree in the zodiac that it's happening in is close to a planet in my in my birth astrology. So I'm kind of interested in in this one a bit more than I would the typical. Is eclipse. this going to tell you anything? Uh, no. Like eclipse law is very vague. Like a lot of astrology, it's like it's 
and and especially because a lot of the law around around eclipses has kind of been developed in the last say hundred years, it's not something that I give a lot of I put a lot of stock in. Yeah. But I'm interested in it. I'm I'm just I think there's something like uh, you don't even have to be into astrology to kind of feel that there's something a little bit magical about an eclipse. Like yeah, you know, it just feels weird. Like it's a, it, it's when you see it happening in your front of your eyes. There's this sense of like, well, this is unusual, mm. you know, and and that's and that gives you a weird vibe. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, like codified in some kind of system of knowledge. You can just be like, huh, look at that eclipse. That's weird. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. Like, yeah. I, you know, I've seen a couple of eclipses in my time. It's, they're all they're always very interesting to watch, not just from a scientific point of view, but from a like just a, a purely aesthetic, yeah, like experiential um, view. Yeah, I yeah. think that's where I come to it from. It's just like kind of. It's a whole bunch of humans around you experience the same thing as well. So yeah, and like what ancient people must have thought, you know, before they were, had the ability to predict these things. Yeah, I think they must have reviewed them as a very strange, um, potentially Prophetic, scary, yeah, 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 thing. So hmm, that'll be enjoyable. What about you, AC? You've done more than I have, hopefully, um, in the last couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, there, there's. I've had a couple of things going on. Um, my dad came down to visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of things happened. Um, first of all, we went to a little place called Mitchell Funland, which is like an indoor park, like with slides and play equipment and stuff like that, which is good for Canberra because Canberra gets cold and you can't go to the outdoor parks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we took May there with dad and May was, you know, having a, 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 she loves the trampoline. Mm -hmm. She loves going down the little slides. Although she started doing this thing where she got rather than going down on her butt, she kind of turns around and kind of slides down on her stomach. Oh no, head first. Uh, no, 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 backwards, like oh, yeah. feet first. Yeah, Ruby is, does that. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of kids do it when they start getting a sense of um, like depth perception or something. And mm. we never thought that would really happen with May mm. because of her condition. But it turns out that, uh, no, she does. Um, she has started working things out a little bit and it's like, uh, she used to just jump on the biggest slide ever and just go careening down and <laughs> think it was fun. Now she's like, this kind of hurts when I hit the bottom really hard sometimes. Maybe it's fun, but I'll take it nice and slow. Yeah. And she'll probably get over that. But it was uh, interesting <laughs> to take her there, have a bit of lunch, but that's when the trouble started. Oh dear. We gave her a sandwich. She loves the toasted cheese sandwich. It's just literally cheese on toast, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> melted cheese, like grilled cheese, sandwich, yeah, grilled, yeah, grilled cheese sandwich. That's the Americans would call it. Yep. The uh, we gave it to her. She had four, you know, like four quarters, mm-hmm. uh, four triangles. She was eating one, mm-hmm. and she dropped it, and she flipped out. <laughs> this is one of those things that, like, with any two-year-old, terrible twos, tantrums or tanties, as we call them in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think, oh, it's okay, this happens, this happens. Uh, we can fix this situation by giving her another piece of the sandwich. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh, no. that's wrong, AC Bio. Yeah. She wants the same sandwich exactly. that fell on yep. the floor. This is kids, yep. And yep. no matter how you try and change it up, no matter if you get both the one off the floor, <laughs> swap it in your hands, which you think would be real easy to do to a blind kid, right? <laughs> she somehow knows. She knows that that ain't her sando. Oh, man. And she went, she threw a massive tandy. <laughs> it's probably good to prefix this where she almost fell out of her chair. She was sitting next to dad and she kicks things a lot when she's eating. Okay. Um, you know, fills with her legs. Yeah, Ruby. And then she used to just push off. With, yep. Oh, God, I hated it. Um, yeah. May did that to dad's leg mm. and flipped herself out of the chair. Oh, dad caught her. Nice. Like it was 
very, very quick. But um, at the same time, she dropped the sandwich. No, 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 no. But May was like shocked enough mm. like she kind of was like very out of it was kind of crying going oh that was really scary i fell out and mm. like don't kick things it's like don't tell me what to do yeah yeah i'm an insane two-year-old you think i'm gonna <laughs> listen to you no kicking is my life <laughs> pretty much <laughs> and that's when she dropped the sandwich when she yeah. when we, we we put her in like a secure next to the wall place where she couldn't kick herself down yeah oh, that's when she dropped the sandwich oh, and that's God. when she could not stop screaming oh, no matter what we gave her no matter what how we tried to appease her, mm. you know, sacrifice other children to the gods. It didn't work. Uh, yeah. So we, we just had to leave Funland with a screaming, crying child. No, you know, and it's nobody cares. You tolerate a screaming child. It's what, yeah. She's still cute, even when she's throwing a tanty, which is kind of, kind of funny. Um, oh, boy. Later that night, um, I think it was actually the night before, uh, Dad... Uh, Dad was staying the night, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do something, do something a bit spiffy here, mm. do something that Dad doesn't normally do. So I thought I'd throw him in VR. <laughs> so I did. I didn't. Oh dear. My first thought was put him into Polybius. Yeah, right. No, um, that's because a bit that's too a much. that's really you know that has epilepsy warnings, and the fact that it goes 120 frames a second is yeah probably too much for me with my eye condition. <laughs> <laughs> God knows what it would do to Dad. Um, so I put him in. VR welds. Oh yeah, that's a good starting point. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, the one that he really liked mm. and actually got kind of good at mm. was the luge one. So oh, the luge right. is yeah, you don't need the controller. You just tilt your head. You just tilt your head from side to side yeah. as you're going down like a big long path. You dodge cars and construction zones and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And he he got pretty good. Like you have to start at the beginning each time, I think. And so he was. Uh, he was actually in there for about a good half hour, 40 minutes, wow. just like just cool. careening down going, oh, man, I almost I was three seconds behind that one. I'm going to do it again. Huh, that's so I had cool. to start from the end. So he, he had a good time in there. That's so it was a, glad, yeah. It was a positive experience for him. Brilliant. I threw him into the uh, the deep ocean. The shark tank one. The shark tank one, yeah. 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 He was kind of looking around and, uh, you know, going, oh, 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 g'day, fella, <laughs> to the sharks as the shark was swimming past and trying to take a nibble. Uh, so he had a bit of fun. Okay. And it was, it was a positive experience. I didn't I didn't want to freak Dad out, which I could have, I suppose, with some of the, the games. Well, kind of would have been funny if he did, but I feel yeah. like he did the right thing. I think so. Yeah. I, I didn't, I don't want all of his, because I don't think he has a particularly positive view of video games. So I didn't <laughs> want to put him into a really negative situation. <laughs> But uh, I did play some pinball uh, in front of him to show him what it was like. And I also played some Polybius. Oh, nice. And he, I just kind of took... I said, do you want to go? And he goes, oh, no, mate. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's intense even for me. And, you know... Yeah, Polybius. I love Polybius. It's a great game. I, can, I keep going back into it. And I just, I'm just going to go once until I die. And I got like four levels deep mm. before I kind of came out and went, no, you know, I'm only going to play till I die. Yeah. But it was just that fun, that amount of fun. <laughs> Can I jump in? I'm sorry to do this. Yeah. But, but uh, when you mentioned your daughter dropping the sandwich and the fact that she wanted the exact same sandwich back, it's something happened to me today that was literally the same thing. So, <laughs> so Ru- Meg dropped Ruby off at my place today uh, because she's been ill. Yeah. And uh, she arrived crying. And I, I said to me, well, what's wrong? Why is, why is Ruby crying? And, and Meg said, Ruby was watching Peppa Pig on my iPad. And then I said, we have to go. And she started crying when I turned the iPad off and took it away from her. 
And so I thought, all right, well, I'll put Peppa Pig on the telly for her. So I dialed up um, ABC iView, which is like a, you know, our... um, It's like our free-to-air streaming service for the national broadcaster. Yeah, that's right. And they have Peppa Pig on there. So I I was like, right, here's Peppa Pig, put it on. No. She goes, no, it actually made her even more upset. She was going, no, 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 no. And I was like... What's wrong? It's the same. It's pe- it's exactly what you want. And Meg was like, she wants it on the iPad. <laughs> she doesn't want it on the telly. <laughs> you know, it's so so particular. I, I suppose when you have something, even if you did give it to them, yeah. it might not be the same. You know, it's just like to her, it was like actually worse. Yeah, because it was close to what she wanted, but not right. Anyway, sorry, I just mentioned no, that. No, no, it's it's the joys of parenting. It made me laugh. They just have no control over their emotions at such a young age. Yeah. Um, Bless the little cotton socks. Yeah, that's right. Um, the other thing I will mention about May uh, <coughs> briefly mm-hmm. is that uh, we were looking for new songs because she's been listening to uh, the same children's songs from Japan and the Wiggles and, and we try and encourage her to listen to anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the songs she kind of got into was... Um, I'm trying to think of... Um, um, dragons, dragons on dite, whatever it's called. Maya he, Maya who, Maya ha, Maya ha ha. It was very popular oh, yeah. in Japan, and it was a popular meme on the internet for a while. Yeah, and um, I know the one. Yeah, yeah. Maria put it on her uh, on her phone, and she liked that. But the one that she really liked, and I was just kind of screwing around with her one night, like mm-hmm. you know, you poking your your little your little kid and going ha 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 and tickling and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I just said Scooby Doo 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 ba 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 ba, and she thought it was hilarious. And I went, oh, so I dialed up Scatman John. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Your kid likes Scatman John. Instant fan. Instant <laughs> fan. We have a bit of a history with our dearly departed friend Scatman John right, on Game do. Life Balance Australia. We do. He is. He is. He's he, a legend. The fifth Beatle. <laughs> Sadly dead. We made fun of this guy for half an episode. Did not realise he was dead until we looked him up. But look how much joy he's bringing to your daughter. Um, yeah, Scatman John's uh, one-hit wonder. Yes. If you're unfamiliar with Scatman John, look him up. It's great. It's a great song. Yeah. He did another one too. It wasn't very good. I'm the Scatman. No, he did. Yeah, Scatman's world. Yeah, it's not 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 great. But she loved that. I just thought that was a funny anecdote that the, the <laughs> tradition is continuing. <laughs> well, I've got a book for her. She might be interested in it when she's a bit older. <laughs> oh God, doesn't have anything to do with assassins, does it, Robbie? Uh, you know, it, it may it may teach her a little bit about radical sex. <laughs> You know what's funny is I got another book by that same author yeah. that um, actually Meg's parents gave to me. Oh, God. <laughs> they didn't know anything about all this. They were just like, this seems like the kind of book Rob would like. And they're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's called What Went Wrong. And it's about like the relationship between the Middle East and the West and sort of analyzing like, you know, why there's so much antagonism and everything now. That same book could be told about Game Life Balance Australia and Game Life Balance US. <laughs> it would be like an encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a friggin... War and peace. <laughs> How long have you got? Oh god. Uh, so, so that's basically been what's uh, happening in my life. Um, so, yeah, I'm really still enjoying VR. Like, cool. The, the, my main problem with VR is that I will constantly want to jump in there and just play a couple of games. Mm-hmm. The only thing that kind of hinders me that is if May's up. Yeah. Like, I can't be put myself in VR because she is just fiddling around with the control, the um, cords, and. Yeah. You know, if she's up, I want to spend time with her. Exactly. But um, the other thing is that it's it's a bulky kind of 
kind of, and you know long loading times that's okay but like the the bulk of the headset getting it out plugging it in it's and setting setup. it up yeah. it is i'd like to leave it permanently set up but it's out on the big tv where people use the ps4 so yeah i'm afraid that it uh this is my fear and i mean I- but but that's the thing like i do love the system and i want to keep playing it in fact i'm playing it more than the switch or even any of my other huh. consoles at the moment there just just the vr not even the ps4 wow just like playing ping ball i got a new high score over three million Ooh, which table on uh, the uh deep water oh wow okay yeah um pinball yep. the deep which is a lot of fun nice I actually did that in front of Dad. I just wouldn't stop playing because I was just doing really well. Shut up, old man. Well. <laughs> oh, you can't hear him. He could be saying whatever. I'd, I'd be on the inside. But yeah, Polybius, just jump in and do just a, a couple of levels of Polybius. Always fun. Mm. Don't mind doing the same level over and over again. Cool. I'm really glad to hear that because I was concerned that it might have been a uh, novelty thing that would lose its appeal over time. I think uh, like it's one of those odd things that... I, I wonder, I'm very selective about what games I want to play, but mm. I definitely want to get more. Mm. Like, they had Beat Saber. I don't know whether that's out in Australia, but if, if something big or good comes along, mm. I'm definitely going to think, oh, I want to, you know, I might might put some money on the line and, you know, take a chance on a couple of things. Yeah. There are experiences I want to try. There's the Apollo 11 experience. Ooh. And that's mostly just experiencing. Like, you don't. You just watch it all. You happen. just kind of watch it happen. I think you're in. I think you're in either buzzes or. I'm sure um, it skips needles, like the yeah. big chunk where you're just like floating through space, waiting to get to the moon. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's a landing <laughs> sequence. But oh, it's mainly landing. Okay. I think so. Mm. I think it's the lunar lander, and I don't think there's a lot to do. I think you can maybe touch a couple of the controls, but and it's a bit expensive, like 30, 40 bucks. But I kind of want to do it just for the experience. I think if it's done well, it would be rad. Yeah, like yeah. that's that that shark cage thing, hmm. kind of. Uh, sold me on the idea that these sorts of experiences can be can be really fun. The only problem is that after you've done it maybe twice, you're kind of done. You know? Yeah, definitely. I think first, you want to do it twice. First to be like, wow. Second time to kind of see if you missed things. And then you're done. Yeah. You and I, I, could, I do want to do it. And if it's good, I'd put Dad back in there because he seemed a bit interested in that. And, you know, hmm. you can you could give it a go as well. We sure. Can I love Maybe I love even all review stuff. it. Yeah. yeah so. Apollo 13, one of my favorite movies. So, mm. yeah. So, I, yeah, I just want to... I just want to experience a little bit more in VR because I'm just I'm just enjoying it. Neat. You know? Um, Gaming-wise, it's mostly been VR. I did go through some of those N64 games yesterday. I uh, took some notes and stuff. Like, I, I was actually taking it seriously and going, oh, yeah, I am enjoying Kirby 64. Yoshi's Island's fine. It's kind of boring. You know, I'm doing, doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just after Superman 64, which I only played once and um, just... Um, Killer Instinct Gold. Mm. I just kind of went. I need a palette cleanser, totally. so <laughs> I got my. I charged up my uh, my uh, Game Boy Advance SP mm-hmm. and put on Bubble Bubble. Oh, nice! Yeah, uh, and put on my glasses because I really need my glasses for that these days. <laughs> and just played the first fifteen levels of Bubble Bubble until I was pretty much ready to sleep. Nice. I just was playing that in bed. Yeah, that's a good way to, yes, erase all those bad memories. Yeah, just end the night on some just good old-fashioned bubble bubble. Still fun, still... that The screen is just a little bit too small for that game. Yeah. But, um... I was so, say, the SP is not a big screen. It's, it's like, no, but when you go to the bottom, you flip up to the top. Oh. Like, um, like it's not... The whole screen isn't contained 
in the tiny screen. Like there's a bit of give. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, yeah. otherwise it would be way too small, even even with like glasses or a magnifying glass. So there's, there's a bit of, there's a bit of give and take, but I do like that version of Bubble Bubble. Cool, because it was one of the first um, Game Boy Advance games I got in Japan. Totally, I would if I stood on the shelf, I would definitely picked it up as well. So yeah, we are Bubble Bubble Tragics. We are. It's my second favorite game of all time, I reckon. Mm. And with that, I do believe you have a quiz. I do. So let's quiz it up. So, Virtual Boy quiz? <laughs> you guessed it, AC. It's ten questions about the Virtual Boy. Let's do oh, it. Get them all right. Question number one. Does the Virtual Boy suck? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I might not get this right after all. <laughs> no, I have, I have ten questions about the Nintendo 64, believe it or not, AC. I believe it. You didn't tell and, me that this was going to happen, but I just guessed. What I knew mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. when I was writing this quiz was yep. that a lot of these things would be covered off during our discussion and I was right okay so this is not going to be that difficult for you okay we, but you I encourage know. the listeners at home to play along okay see if you learned a few things about the Nintendo 64 hopefully you didn't um, some of these weren't covered okay. so it's All a right. good mix but I expect you to win okay if you don't win I'll be very disappointed alright yeah just like my dad okay <laughs> I know he listens to every one of these. He skips right to the quiz segment, and he's like, "If he doesn't win, I'm gonna beat him with a pole." <laughs> He'd do that anyway, to be honest. He's I basically Mike Hagger. I remember fact, Dad, Dad does not listen to this podcast, which makes this more hilarious. You'll love my hilarious Glenn uh, Yoshimura impression. It's not Glenn Yoshimura, but he's he Glenn Campbell. Well, he may as well be Glenn Yoshimura. Change his name. It's a better name. It is a better name. Question number one, AC. Yep. There were two launch games for the Nintendo 64 in the West, uh-huh. but there were three in Japan. What was the mysterious third launch game in Japan that never came to the West? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. That's actually a genuinely I'll good question. I'll tell you what the two ones that came out in... This is the yep. power, we're talking about the North American region, yep, because yep, by the yep. time it came out to Europe, there were five. Yep. Uh, it was Mario 64 mm-hmm. and Pilot Wings 64. Yeah, Pilot Wings I did know about. Uh, in Japan, same two, plus one more. <sighs> Is it a first party game? Oh, I don't actually know. Let me check that. I don't. I can't answer that. Is it? Is it Pokemon Stadium? No. No. Okay. It. What you won't. You'll, you won't get this. No. It was, and I'm going to mispronounce this. Saikyo Habu Shogi. It was a shogi game, which is like chess. But shogi. Okay. But Japanese. I have a shogi game mm-hmm. for the Nintendo 64. I don't think it's that one. I could be wrong. But it actually has a network port in the back, so you can play it over the oh, telephone wow, line and dial no someone shit. up. Yeah, wow. it's really unique. I actually have the box for it. There you go, yeah. Real interesting game. Yeah, they released a shogi game, and I was really blown away. I was like, wow. They really thought this would be like, this is like up there with Mario 64. It's got. Like, I think it was just ready, and it was one of it was like the, on the cover of the box. There's a famous like shogi player, like maybe the world champion or something. To be fair, that probably sold pretty well at yeah. the time. Yeah. Like if you got something ready for launch, yeah. I just, I guess, I miss. I guess I've kind of like, mm, what's the word? Like misunderstood how popular shogi actually is potentially. But I thought that was interesting. Hmm. Question number two. Ah, we didn't cover this either. What was the three-letter name? I'm gonna just just give us the acronym. Mm-hmm. Of the Western company that designed the initial specs for the Nintendo 64. They pitched it. They pitched the hardware to Nintendo. It's, it's A something. AMV. A V something. There's a V there and an A there. I could be wrong. I think I'm wrong. I'll give it to you. Yep. It was Silicon Graphics. Inc. Oh, okay. SGI. They made supercomputers. And they decided to pitch a... Uh, 
they were like they make they made supercomputers that did graphics, right? Yeah. And they initially approached Sega. Sega knocked them back, so they went to Nintendo. Yeah. Interesting, isn't I'm it? I'm not sure yeah. who was worse off there. I know that they were jettisoned for the next console for the GameCube. I don't uh, think they had any intention of it being cartridge based, though. I think they were just like, look at this rad hardware. You know, look at this. Look, they, it was pretty rad for the time. Yeah. They kind of took a supercomputer and then like boiled it down. Yeah. You know, for what what was needed. And just at for the a time, console. it was still very impressive. Mm, I'm okay. losing so far, Robbie. Mm. Question number three: What was the code name for the console while it was still in development? Project Reality. Correct points for you, AC. Points on the board. Question number four: What was the name of the console when Nintendo first announced it back in 1994? The Ultra. 64. Correct. They changed the name and they said that it was because they just wanted brand. They wanted it to be like a unified brand thing because they were initially thinking of like releasing it in different names in different regions. But then they decided, no, let's just all call it. Well, yeah, because that makes sense. If you look at the history of the Famicom and the um, Nintendo Entertainment System and because that was always always separate, even if they were essentially the same machine. Yeah, I think for a while they were thinking of calling it the Famicom 64 as well and stuff like that, but they decided no. No, no, no. no yeah. that wouldn't have worked by that stage. Yeah, yeah. No. so they backed away from it and yeah. just called it Nintendo 64 worldwide. All right, question number five. Mario 64 was the highest selling game of the fifth console generation, mm-hmm. selling over 11 million units. Yep. What were the second and third highest selling games of that same generation? Oh, no. Uh, oh, oh, not from Nintendo. No, but just across all those consoles. The fifth generation of... All of them. Yeah, what was the oh, second and third highest Gran selling? Gran Turismo, I want to say. Correct. One more. Um, we have mentioned it today, if it helps. It wasn't Zelda. No. It was... Um, it wasn't a Nintendo game. It wasn't. No. I'm going to make it easier for you. Gran Turismo and... It's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, no. Just take a stab in the dark. What's a popular PlayStation game? Oh, I'm I'm really... It's it's definitely not a Sega Saturn game. (laughs) Well, I know it's not Bubsy 3D. I just... I know what it is. It's just not coming to my brain right now. Oh, you'll kick yourself. I will. kick yourself. Yep. Final Fantasy VII. Of course. course. Yep. Yep. I just when you were saying it, I just went, "You idiot, <laughs> you moron!" Yeah, Grand Theft is about ten million, roughly, and and Final Fantasy VII about, uh, around about nine million, uh, so so. half a point each. There you go. Um, so yeah, we said all that crap about the system, but they had the best-selling game of that entire generation. So there you go. Yeah. Question number six: True or false? Lawsuits were filed against Nintendo for injuries resulting from the minigames in Mario Party that required the player to rapidly rotate the analog stick. Oh, uh, true. And Nintendo sent out gloves. Uh, no, but it's not it's, actually a, so an injury you've lawsuit. Already said, you've oh, already okay. said, oh, already said okay. You already yeah, said true. Uh, it is actually false. They didn't, no lawsuits were ever filed. But the New York Attorney General received 90 complaints and investigated the issue, and that was made public. Ah, uh, okay. Mm. But. They ended up like, you know, NFAing that. I thought it was like a settlement kind of before it kind of went for Well, they did set, yeah, yeah. Nintendo like offered, Nintendo like made this sort of like settlement offer of like, we'll give everyone free gloves. Were and they Nintendo marked gloves? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't I know if anyone we can find a pair of these gloves. Yeah. Let's go on eBay and see if we can find some like anti Mario Party gloves. <laughs> anti Mario Party. I'm losing this quiz, Robbie. Oh, no. All right. Well, there's still, there's still four questions to go. Okay. All right. Question number seven True or false? The Sega Saturn outsold the N64 in Japan. True. Correct. Yes, and as I said, um, perhaps in the break, um, 
lack of RPGs on the N64 was considered a, a You'd factor. really heard it, yeah. Because Japanese people love um, the JRPG genre, and there were very few. I can't even think of any right now off the top of my head on the Nintendo 64, so... There were a couple. Yeah. But, yeah. Not, not a great deal. And there were, like, a, you know, tons of them on the other systems. No, on nothing the other famous. Systems, so. All right, question number eight. Uh, true or false, the Nintendo 64 controller was developed in tandem with Super Mario 64? Uh, at, the same t- in, at the same time. Yes, as, they were at the same time, yes, as we mentioned. That is true. Um, but not, not f- totally for. No, I had to work on, for other games as well. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I carefully worded that question. In yeah. tandem is technically true. Yeah. Say that it was developed for A bit, Mario yeah. 64 is, is not true. Question number nine. Multiple choice. I don't do these very often. Multiple choice. Worldwide. This is a bit of a tricky one too, so I'm going to... Okay. Go slowly. Worldwide, how many more games were released for the PlayStation compared with the Nintendo 64? Okay. A, double. Yep. B, triple. Mm-hmm. C, five times. D, ten times. Or E, twenty times. This is over the entire lifespan of both consoles, noting that the PlayStation was... was you know, lived a bit longer. It had a bit of a longer life than the N64. I want to say 10 times. D, 10 times? Yeah. Close. It was, in fact, E, 20 times. Mm, okay. So you were you were right in thinking that it was like an astronomical thing. It was. Thing. I just didn't think it was that astronomical. Yeah. Knowing because it didn't have a large library. It was like 400 games. Yeah, that's right. Across all worldwide, yeah. N64 had 389 games. Yep. PlayStation... 7,918 games. So this is the thing that... It's pretty hard to compete with that. I knew that... I knew the number for mm. the Nintendo... Because I know someone who's trying to go for a full set of Nintendo Yeah, so you, you were pretty much on the money there with... Yeah, yeah. Um, I just... I know people who did have a complete uh, Japanese set of... Um, of... PlayStation? PlayStation games. And mm. it is a wall. Like, yeah. it's just a wall of games. It's crazy. And that just goes to show you... I mean, yes, as I said, I'll caveat this. The people making PS1 games up until, like, 2005, 2006. So, you know, mm. like, it's not... We can't really compare them apples to apples. Mm. But, but what you see there is just how more ready people are to develop for a system that is on CD-ROMs. Yeah, but also you got to remember that the PS2 was backwards compatible as well. That's right. So, you know, there was more incentive for people to keep releasing PS1 yeah, games. because a lot of PS1 and PS2 were, you know, developed yeah. and released in tandem over that crossover period. So it's not a really a fair comparison. Take with a massive pinch of salt, but still there very are interesting. terrible, terrible games on that system as well. There's, There's a lot of really bad. So There's a lot of shovelware. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's actually funny. I read somewhere that... Uh, one of uh, Nintendo's arguments about all this stuff was to say that, oh, but you know, we went for quality over quantity. Uh, but I don't. When you see Super, when you see Superman sixty four, it's hard. To, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to say that. That has the Nintendo seal of quality on it, or have you know? <laughs> okay, so the seal of quality. So that argument that I read, kind of null and void, isn't it? Really? Yeah, really? really. All right, the last question, AC. Are we neck and neck? No, you've pulled out in the lead. Nope, we're neck and neck. Oh my god. Okay, well this will win it for you. Okay. Oh, this is because it's just, it's four and a half. This is just for you, I Four and a half. I made this question just for you, okay? Because I want to hear you speak Japanese. All right. What's the name of the console in Japanese? Nintendo sixty four. 
I wanted you to. What? How do you you don't know how to say sixty four in, J- in Japanese? That's of course fine. they fucking do. But they still said sixty four. On te- technically, okay. Do you do you really want me to say? I it? want you to. That's why I asked you this question. Rockaju Yon. Correct. Correct. Points but they still you. said Nintendo sixty four. That's really funny. Lot. Yeah. There you go. So the, yeah, that's just. No, Nintendo Rockaju Yon was. It was kind of called that sometimes, but I think because the, pa- the packaging would have a big six and a four on it, yeah. right? Like they didn't have like it didn't have like Japanese characters. No, I mean yeah. you you could say Rokuyon or you could say um, Rokuyon, but that that wasn't actually that common. So I think, I mean, like uh, what do you call it? Like um, what we call Arabic numerals incorrectly is fairly well used. Yeah, it's, no, no, it's very you, prevalent. You learn them in in primary school yeah. over there. I taught them in primary yeah. school. It's over not there. like it's not this mysterious other thing. No, no, yeah, it, yeah. and and they still used it a lot just because it was a. Because they knew it was a worldwide thing, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's weird how English is kind of adapted over there. Yeah. Uh, and, and, like, the number, when you say it in English, probably doesn't mean that much to them. It's just what you call it. It's quite striking, actually, when you play, like, RPGs or something, uh, Japanese RPGs that are sort of not... Mm. Uh, sorry, pardon me, like, Japanese language games. Mm. A lot of the menus are in English. Mm. So that, that gives you a very quick indication that like there's a fair amount of like basic understanding a lot of that has to do with the base system or or the um the base language of the system okay so when you had a famicom it had a certain amount of english characters you could use Mm. just at a base level system and a certain amount of japanese characters you could use yeah english characters use up a hell of a lot less space yeah than japanese characters do less pixels yeah well yeah i mean like one if you say item, mm. that's just like four letters. Yeah. yeah, but if you go say ITM or something like that, it, it's just, it's the same amount in katakana, and you can shorten things in English a little bit better, like P for power. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's it's nothing that has to be added to the cartridge because yeah. it's part of the base system. That's the way I understand it. I could okay. be wrong. That's interesting. But um, yeah, that's uh, for some things. If you use kanji. Mm. That makes things a hell of a lot shorter sometimes. Like, you can get away with a lot less, but not kids. Not all kids know a lot of kanji. Right, Because it's yeah. very, like, very difficult. So, um, what's going on on the Gunner Geek Network oh, at the moment? What isn't going on on the Gunner Geek Network? <laughs> here we go. You caught me. I closed my browser, but it's still here. Uh, so, let's talk about On The Bubble, a wonderful podcast mm-hmm. on the Gunner Geek Network. Uh, on the bubble, episode twenty-five, Sleepy Hollow: The campaign to save Fox's Sleepy Hollow, plus a save Lucifer preview. In this episode of On the Bubble, very nice. Josh shares some of the thoughts and feelings from Sleepy Hollow fans about where the show went wrong in season two and how it eventually redeemed itself with a strong season three and four. Some fan quotes included: "Quote Sleepy Hollow is a smart, well-written, and active show that's entertaining, exciting." emotionally affecting unquote quote sleepy hollow is a great show with a cast that has great chemistry reverting back to what worked in season one will bring the fans back the last episodes and upcoming ones prove that unquote it's interesting because i haven't actually really seen sleepy hollow and you saw it advertised on tv for the first season and i did actually hear just through osmosis that um mm. it had a strong beginning in season two kind of sucked yeah, those shows I, do that, don't they? Like, Walking Dead was kind of famous for that as well, I want to say. Mm, um, mm. Which is kind of like the opposite of the 90s, because a lot of the 90s shows had 
a weird first season then got stronger in the second season. Yeah, like Star Trek, for example. Yeah, and... Um, well, that took a few that, seasons that to get 80s, going. I think, late 80s. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, and uh, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer had a, had, a, had a good beginning, but like a much stronger second season. Mm. Um, yeah, funny that. I also want to just um, give... Cody from the US office, a shout out. He works as a podcaster professionally. That's actually his job, mm-hmm. his paid job. He works for curiosity.com. The podcast awards are coming up. And if you could nominate Curiosity mm-hmm. for a podcast award in the uh, in the science categories and science and medicine categories, that would be fantastic. Yeah, that's right. It would Look, be very good. It is a good it is a good show. Mm-hmm. Um I do listen when I can. I, I like the fact that they have short segments that I can just kind of bite-sized grabs and get of it. Yeah. Especially just like I see it on Facebook and go click and listen to something and go, wow, I didn't know that. That's actually genuinely interesting. Yeah, they've, they've changed the format to make it more of a daily thing now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I so, think that works for them. I really do. So while you're getting your cup of coffee in the morning, you know, you can just put your head- headphones in and listen to some Get curiosity. smarter or I'll beat the hell out of you. That's right. There, there's your new slogan, Cody. Yes. Listen, gain, gain a few brain cells listening to that, and then we race them listening to our show. So end up with the... <laughs> so nominate them, because that, that would mean a lot to our friend Cody. That's right. Just go to podcastawards.com and uh, click on the link that says um, nominate. You'll have to sort of sign up. Just enter your email and a password. You know, the usual yeah. shtick, and then you can nominate the show. Can you nominate and- us? I kind of hope not. Look, Please don't nominate us. There's actually specifically a rule down here at the bottom of paragraph yep. 3.4 where it says um, any nomination of Game Life Balance Australia will be immediately disqualified. I bet Cody so. made that rule as well. Yeah, couldn't couldn't handle the competition. That's couldn't right. ha- couldn't hack it. That's right. <laughs> so we hope you've enjoyed listening to Game Life Balance Australia, the Australian edition of the Game Life Balance podcast. Uh, visit us on the web at gamelifebalanceaustralia.com where you'll find links to our podcast feeds and video content. Stuff goes up there occasionally. It does. And uh, links to our sister show in the US. Uh, I'm uh, pretty active on Twitter. Yes. More or less. Um, Chad. Chad's kind of been slipping. <laughs> Chad, I think, needs a good beating. <laughs> He is going to get some of the hickory stick. He needs a bit of a motivational whooping. Probably up the old wazoo. Yeah. That'll motivate him. Look, Chad, Chad, you know, look, he works for free. So. <laughs> Actually, he has to pay us. Yes. Or at least we mug him. <laughs> we put on our Zapata moustaches and just kind of beat him in an alley. We beat him up and take his lunch money. <laughs> Uh, but he is at GLB Australia. Yeah. If you enjoy our show, give us a rating. Yeah, nominate just, us for something if you want to. It's, but please don't. It's super duper easy if you're on iTunes. Uh, just scroll down to the bottom of your podcast app. There's a little thing for stars. You don't even have to. You don't have to click anything. You can just give us stars. It's literally zero effort. So if you do have an iPhone and you're listening to this on your iPhone and you don't do that, then I will literally murder you. <laughs> Yep, there's something I would pay that to see. That is a genuine threat. Yeah. Well, how I'll do it, though, is with poison, of course, because I'm very weak <laughs> and afraid of confrontation. <laughs> oh, I might have a... Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> he just looked at his glass listeners. All right. Thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm.